0: Turn your Bibles tonight, if you would please, to Acts chapter number 13 as we give our attention to God's Word. It's been a while since I'd heard that song, Brother Nathan. I appreciate that very much. Very, very good. Acts chapter 13. World evangelism begins in the local church. World evangelism begins in the local church. Acts chapter 13 certainly shows us that. It's one of my favorite mission passages. And this is where we are in our study of the book of Acts, a series entitled, A Church for His Name. Uh, Brother W.L. Smith, Miss uh, Marianne Smith here tonight, and just getting back from a little bit of vacation time. And the W.L. travels the world. Uh, Brother W.L., just raise your hand. A lot of folks maybe wouldn't know the W.L. Smith. And uh, in fact, he pastored there in First Baptist Church of Englewood, but now just travels the world and preaching the gospel and seeing people saved all over. And while Miss Marianne keeps us well fed right here at church, Amen. that's for sure. Yep. Prepared a good meal this afternoon. And, but uh, certainly he has seen that on a global, in a global way, and uh, we're going to see that even here tonight. So let's look at it, Acts chapter 13, verse number 1. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, which, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and um, Manaean which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost... Which one? By the church or by the Holy Ghost? The answer is yes. Yes. Departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the isle of Paphos... They found a certain uh, sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, that from here on out it's pretty well going to refer to him as Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, And thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. World evangelism begins in the local church. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. We'll get right into the message tonight. Last Sunday night, Brother Bill Austin, I'm not sure if Brother Bill's here tonight. Is he, Brother Mike? Not tonight. Maybe not able uh, to be here. Um, Brother Bill Austin's been a real blessing to our church and, and um, for nine years, I believe it was, at Village on the Park, leading that ministry as a senior city, uh, center here in Oklahoma City. And so in any case, Brother Bill, just about where they normally sit there in the middle of the auditorium, he, uh, as I was walking um, back towards my office here on this side, and he greeted me, and, and he just uh, had the typical Bill Austin enthusiasm and excitement about him. And I thought, oh, he's, he's, uh, he's pretty thrilled about something now, you know. And he said, uh, Brother Gaddis, and he's always got a word of wisdom to say to me. You know, it's just it's just Brother Bill. If you know him, then you know what I'm talking about. But he said, "Oh, Brother Gaddis," and he looked up in the balcony, which obviously everyone had left. This was after uh, services were over, and maybe about 30 minutes after, so the auditorium cleared out pretty well. And he said, "Oh, Brother Gaddis, next Sunday night, the sides of this balcony, going to be filled <laughs> with students, young people from all over America," and he said, "Brother Gaddis." You know what that is on these sides of the balcony? He said, sitting in those balcony seats there is answers to prayer. He said, because the Lord told us to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send forth laborers into his harvest. He said, Brother Gaddis, God's going to do it again. He's going to send some. And, of course, he's a drill instructor, drill sergeant. I can't remember which you call it in that branch he was in, but... Any case, um, I mean, he's, he he can get right right with you. Yep, he sure can. He still got it. He still got it. He said, uh, "Brother Gaddis, God is sending us some recruits, some new recruits, because He knows I need to be replaced, and He said He knows someday that you need to be replaced." <laughs> <laughs> You mean like soon? What do you have in <laughs> mind here, Brother Bill? But you know, he's exactly right. He's exactly right. We just had our missions committee meeting and uh, some coming off the field, some their age is bringing them off the field, some that have served for so many years and others, different situations, you know, but the need in missions is not diminishing. In fact, uh, you know, our patch... Uh, group or patch club, they sing a song called Six Billion Reasons, but really we have to rewrite the words to it. It's seven billion reasons now to share the gospel. And so uh, there's a growing need for the work of the gospel and reinforcements need to be here. And so church, I look here tonight and every person that came here that spoke at this pulpit introduced themselves Gave their name and what their major is going to be. If they could remember their name, they did a good job. They got all that down. and, and uh, But they, they introduced themselves to us. Can I submit to you the words of Bill Austin that what we just heard from tonight are answers to prayer that God has done. So that means if it's an answer to prayer, we ought not take it lightly. That's for sure. Thank God for the church. Thank God for Southwest Baptist Church and the history that's here and the ministry that takes place week by week. I thank God for my home church, Grace Baptist Church. Sarah's from there and Partons are here. It's a blessing. But Mike, uh, uh, Miss Debbie's had a had an impact on my life. Moved here, moved there. Sorry when. Uh, I was in ninth grade, I believe it was, coming in. and um, but Mike's a soul winner. And, you know, you don't have to be called into the ministry to have an impact on somebody's life. Amen. Because Brother Mike and Miss Debbie's had an impact on my life. Sure is good to hear him saying amen. <laughs> yep. I'm telling you. You don't always see what God's doing in the local church. You don't always see it. We don't always know the full extent of what God's doing. And that's exciting. You know, as I listened tonight, church, I heard uh, names of churches mentioned, some that I don't know, but a lot of them I do, and those are good churches. You know, it's really a, it's really amazing coming from Alaska and Florida and uh, all over, I mean, and coming here and um, coming from such good churches and and uh, I don't know what to deal with the, the Buckley Road, <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> I'm for, you know, because you love your church. You love your church. And, it, and I just have to think that, you know, maybe it's a little challenging to say bye on Wednesday night before you came. You know, we have young people here that introduce themselves that are from here. and and uh, But, I, you know, for many of you leaving your homes and ministries and involvement and and dear saints of God that have served God, it had such an impact on your life, and churches that are gonna miss them. But listen, there's one reason why you ought to be here is because the Holy Ghost said, I want you there. Amen. That's good. I want you to be there. It's God's work in the in the local church. It's what God does. It's it's the way that it's the way that things were done back then, it's the way that things are to be done now. I love, in fact, one uh, young lady introduced herself and, and from, um, from uh, there, the church where Brother Randall Moody pastors, and, and I believe they had a church, church planning conference, a uh, you know, home missions conference, and I believe the, the theme of that conference was the local church, God's local solution for a worldwide problem. It's really good. God's local solution for the worldwide problem. So here we come to Acts chapter 13, and uh, we see this church in Antioch. We've already been introduced to it. Do you remember back in chapter 11 and how that there were uh, some un- unnamed preachers? Maybe one of them's named here, perhaps, a man from Cyrene, northern Africa, but really just some some men that aren't mentioned by name, at least in Acts chapter 11. But listen, God doesn't have to use big-name people to do big things. Amen. God started a church in Antioch that is going to be used in that. Well, we're here tonight as a result of it. Was God using the church in Jerusalem? He most certainly was. But, But listen, it can't just be one church. It's got to be multiple churches. That are used of God and they're sending people and and just the work of God through the church. And so uh, many are needed for the task and that's exactly what is happening. And, And the church just simply needed to do this. The church just needed to do what the church is supposed to do. And then as the church does what the church is supposed to do, then God does what only God can do. What did they do? What was their strategy? What was their approach to ministry? Let's look at it. It's just very, very simple. In verse 1, here's what they did. Now, they were in the church. The word church means what? Assembly. Called out assembly. Those that were saved, they were... Those that are saved, by the way, need to be assembled. Yep. This morning, we had um, David and, and Sherry... From Bethel Acres here and their daughters Sherry trusted Christ a few weeks back and her daughter trusted Christ last Sunday night we had a tent service out there we had an occasion yesterday to go, go with brother Rick McQueen just to kind of see the place for myself and, and uh, met some of the folks there and they were here in the service tonight why this afternoon this morning this morning they were here they were here she was saying listen saved people need to assemble with other saved people The first business of the church is to assemble. We've got to be together. Yep. The first business of the church is to assemble. And you look at this group and it just mentioned some of the leaders that were in the church, the prophets and teachers, and they were a diverse group. Barnabas from Cyprus and Simeon, um, most likely from North Africa, and Lucius from Cyrene, also from North Africa. Menaean, there he grew up with Herod the Tetrarch. There's when it says there that he was brought up with him. I'm talking about Herod Antipas, the one who put John the Baptist to death, the one before whom uh, Jesus stood in trial. We're talking about here's a man named Menaean, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, but but this man grew up with this man, Herod uh, Antipas, maybe was a foster brother to him, we don't know, but, but God saved this man and put him in the church there in Antioch. We don't know all the circumstances, but, but here's Saul that's mentioned, and Saul was his Jewish name, and he's about to be more known as Paul because that's his Roman name, and he's going to be the disciple that's going to the, to the Gentiles, and God's going to do some amazing things in their life. If you remember, Barnabas was was sent by the church in Jerusalem up to Antioch because of what was going on there and and the, the fact that they were being saved and they needed to be discipled. Hey, listen, listen, listen very well. It's not enough to see somebody saved we 've got to see them baptized we 've got to see them discipled. We can't stop just with with their salvation and so that's what the Church in Jerusalem understood and so they sent, they sent Barnabas, who because he was there near that area, he was from Cyprus, they sent him up to to disciple them well as as Barnabas was there, the work was so large and growing, and the need was so great he needed some additional help. so he went up to Tarsus to to find, uh, to find Saul Paul, and brought him down to additional help and discipleship and that's how they all ended up and they were there for at least about a year and then they went down to Jerusalem to to deliver the offering and now they made their way back up as we saw last week as we finished out chapter 12 And, and so here they are now for however long it was since they returned and they were assembling together and there was, listen to this, here's another thing they did as a church, they preached and taught the word of God. There were prophets and there were teachers there. Preaching and teaching. Ministry. And then it also says this in verse uh, 2. It says that they, as they ministered to the Lord. How do you minister to the Lord? By serving one another. So there was assembling going on. There was preaching and teaching taking place. There was ministry going on within the church. And and then would you look also at at verse number 2. As they ministered to the Lord and what? Fasted. That means to go without food. Fasting is not just something for way back then, it's for now. Jesus did not say, if you fast, do it this way. He said, when you fast. That means for his disciples, he expects that, expects that we would Fast. And pray. So here they are. They're fasting and praying, which indicates to me that they're drawing close to God, and it indicates to me that they take prayer very seriously. I'm reading a book right now, and it talks about the role of prayer in missions. And the individual uh, said that uh, I'm afraid that in many ways the church has begun to just look at prayer more like. An intercom system in a house, like if you needed something in the room to make yourself a little bit more comfortable. Push the button on the intercom. Hey, could you bring us some? Rather than looking at prayer as a radio that's used or a walkie-talkie that's used in the midst of combat, in the midst of battle. Hey, listen, we need to remember tonight that we are in a spiritual war. And prayer is not our intercom system just to get our lives a little bit more comfortable. Listen, what we need to realize is as this church did, they needed to know what headquarters, could I say it that way? They needed to know what their commander wanted them to do. They needed to know not just what he wanted them to do, but how they were to do it and to have the ability to do it. Listen, it wasn't just something they did to fulfill an obligation. It wasn't just to make their lives more comfortable. I don't believe tonight, though they were maybe, have been some prayer requests they mentioned that were that were health related I believe because of the answer that was given to this prayer their prayer request was this dear God please send more laborers into the harvest field Oh, God, the the need is great right here in Antioch. Antioch was a city of 500,000. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. No doubt they were saying, dear God, we need additional help here. And our Lord and Savior told us to pray that he might send forth laborers into the harvest. I believe that's what they were praying. So what were they doing? They were getting together like we are here tonight. What were they doing? There was preaching and teaching that was taking place. What were they doing? They were fasting and praying and asking God to send forth laborers. And the Holy Ghost said, I want Paul and Barnabas. You see, the closer that we as a church come to God, the greater our burden for missions. The Holy Ghost, I'm saying when the church did what the church is supposed to do, the Holy Ghost did what only the Holy Ghost can do. The Word of God says that the Holy Ghost said, separate me, set aside for a particular task. Separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I have called them. You know, we might argue or we might say, you know, really? Really? The need is so great right here in Antioch. Why would we want to send somebody somewhere else? There's 500,000 people here that need to be reached. Plus, God, why would you want to send Barnabas and Saul? Saul? We need them right here. Hey, listen, these these were people that had made a major contribution. They were an integral part of the church. And yet the Holy Ghost said, I want him and him to go here. You might have said, "Uh, But God, hey, could you send maybe them? No, God knows what he's doing. He says, I want this one, and I want this one. And he's able to say that. When the Holy Ghost says, Send them, what ought the church to do? Send them. And when the Holy Ghost says, I want you to go, what ought you to do? Go. Go i never forget wrestling with God's call even to move here and, and uh, to move to Oklahoma City. And, and Angie and I had been praying and fasting and asking God to show us and make it very, very clear. And after two and a half months of that, it came to a point where we were driving and, and uh, one of the, the dear widow ladies of the church had passed away. So we we're literally on the way to, to, uh, to the graveside there and just listening to a preacher on the radio. And in fact, he was preaching Acts chapter 13. And he said, some of you that are listening to me right now have been waiting for all your ducks to line up in a row, figuratively speaking. But you know what God wants you to do. You ever been there? You know what God wants you to do. And then he said this, just go. (laughs) And then he said it again, just go. how much more plain do you need it well I looked at Angie and by that time we were very well convinced that this is the will of God for our life but I guess I'm thick headed enough that I need that direct maybe some of you are as well but the Holy Ghost is the only one who could say that it's not the preacher who says okay I'd like for Brother Mark and Miss Christy Dick to be missionaries in Mozambique that just totally came to my mind. I'm not speaking by prophecy here, okay? This is totally not it, all right? I don't have that kind of authority. Listen, by the way, I don't want that kind of authority. There's people's lives here. You know, as, as Brother Jonathan, Miss Katie Switzer, as we met together, and I met uh, with Brother Jonathan, you know, and, and I mean, I had in my heart, Brother Jonathan, it, it's South Africa, brother. I could tell you, let's save you a lot of time of praying and just get you going there, you know? But listen, it's not up to me. Even though I'm his pastor, it's not up to me. It's got to be the Holy Ghost who says. And and over time and in prayer and seeking God's face, the Holy Ghost said, the Holy Spirit said, I want you all to go to South Africa. So now we have a role. But listen, here's where it starts. It starts right here. It starts right here in this local church. And listen, by the way, Paul and Barnabas didn't grow up there at Antioch. They were transplants, we might say. They came into that church. They integrated their lives into that church. But listen, God used their time at that church in Antioch to open up the, the door to world missions. I would say that you that have moved here to Oklahoma City, you should look at Southwest Baptist Church as like you're Antioch now. And the Holy Spirit of God, no doubt if you 'll stay real tuned to him he 'll say, "I want you to go here, and I want you to go here, and I want you to go here i don 't know how he does it, but I know he 's able to do it, and he does it time and time again if we 'll just listen to him and listen don 't look at this as a parking lot, look at this as a launching pad to the will of God, where God wants you to be i 'm telling you then your college days will be real exciting listen, but although hey, let me hasten to say this, God does not limit his call God God Does not limit his his direction. God does not limit missionary service to young people who are in Bible college. God interrupts some lives of people that are working in their careers and says, "I want you, and I want you to go and do this hey listen he 's God, He can do what he wants to." But when that church begins to recognize and that church begins to see that God is doing something here, there's only one thing for that church to do, and that's to get fully behind and in complete support of that which God is doing. In fact, there's two different words as Brother Carson, actually Brother Marvin Carson, my home pastor, pointed this out back at our midsummer missions. There are two different words for the word sent in chapter uh, 13 and verse 3 and verse 4. There are two different words. When it says there that the, that the church uh, came and they put their hands on this man. Listen, by the way, that didn't mean that they were like putting power upon them. Okay, that'd be scary. <laughs> it's, it's not the power. It was just saying, we're in this with you. As, as Brother Derek Pemberton came here and, and as Brother David Merlo came here and the missions committee came around and they placed their hands upon him, there wasn't something supernatural going through him to give him some kind of power. And when a man is ordained to the gospel ministry, that's not it at all. But here's what it's saying. We've analyzed this individual. We believe they have God's call in their life. We are complete support with it. And listen, the ministry requires your touch. So the Bible says that they put their hands upon them and then they sent them. The word sent there in verse number three uh, literally means this. They released them. They let them go. They sent them on their way in the sense that they said, we'd love to have you here, but we recognize God's call in your life. And so we're going to allow you to go. That's pretty tough. Because I don't know about you, I like the Switzers, Katie, especially, and Jeremiah especially, (laughs) and Jonathan. Well, Jeremiah, this morning, I was parking my truck, and he was standing outside and getting ready to come to Sunday school, three, three years old, had his little tie on. I said, boy, Jeremiah, you sure look sharp pulled that tie up for me to see. Church, you know what I'm talking about, and everyone in here I believe does. It's hard to see these missionaries go out because I'd love to see them just stay right here. But God's doing something. And when God's doing something, I don't want to get in His way. I want to be with Him. Okay, I'm not going to push this too far because it wouldn't take a whole lot to get some folks in here very emotional. Parents that are leaving a child here. Okay, that's all I need to say. (laughs) That's a tough deal. Here's what you're doing. You're releasing them. I'm trusting that God's in this and I'm releasing you to the will of God. I've shared with the church here before that first time, I believe it was, we went, maybe the second time we went to Whitewater Bay, we rented out during the youth conference and just guys on one night and girls on the next night. I know that looks weird in the world's eyes, but that's the way we do it. So, anyways, I believe Tyler maybe was seven years old, and um, my oldest son now 12, but in any case, uh, we went up that big tower. Uh, With the big slides and such and tube. And I carried the tube up there and came time for us to ride the ride. And, uh, you know, we've done stuff together all through his life. And I was just going to sit down there in that tube, and he was going to sit right there like my little bud. And here we go. I started, I seriously, I put it down there and ready to get in and then to let him sit in my lap and us to go. And the man working there at the slide said, um, I'm sorry, sir, he's going to have to go by himself. <laughs> I said, but he's just a baby. <laughs> I didn't say that, but in my mind, I, he's too little. <laughs> All right, bud, your mama's going to kill me. <laughs> Got him in there, had an arrow pointing which way he was supposed to go, gave him the push. I'm telling you, he was screaming and yelling, I mean, in a good way, like, this is great kind of stuff, yeah, all the way down, and I came down after him, and I'm telling you, he was so excited, let's do it again. Yep, that's a scary moment. Put your son or daughter there. Okay, this is what I've raised you for. (laughs) Going down the tubes now, right? (laughs) Focus, all right, here we go. But you know, really, many of you, you've brought up your young people to serve and honor God. And now they're at a place where you're going to have to say, can I come to school with you? (laughs) But God is saying, no, I want you to trust me. Release them. Just what if, what if the church there in Antioch had said, no, we want to keep them. We want them here. I want their fellowship. I love their teaching. I love their ministry. I want them here. I'm telling you, we probably wouldn't be here tonight. Because what happened is they released them to the will of God and God did something way beyond their comprehension as they began to travel those 800 plus miles in that first missionary journey, and then the second missionary journey that went around, then the third missionary journey, and then Paul going all over Rome. I'm telling you, from Jerusalem, the gospel reached, all the way to Illyricum, and and, and eventually, of course, to Rome. I'm telling you, it went a long way and fast. Why? Because a church did what a church is supposed to do, and the Holy Ghost did what only the Holy Ghost did, and they cooperated together, and things were happening. I'm telling you, it was exciting just in our missions committee meeting here in uh, Micah Region, giving a report from their trip to Russia, and, and Brother Rick mentioned what's going on in Bethel Acres, and Brother Josh getting ready to go to Russia, and, and with the uh, on and on we could go. I'm just telling you, it's exciting. Well, it ought to be exciting being involved in church. Well, how do you make that happen? Here's how it happens. Let's just get together, have preaching, teaching. Let's pray and fast and ask God to do something, and then when he does it, let's get behind it you got to have a better strategy than that. What are they going to do once they get there? Here's what they're gonna do. They're gonna preach the gospel, they're gonna see people saved, and once people get saved, then they're gonna start assembling. And as they assemble, what are they gonna do when they get them together? They're gonna sing good and godly songs, and they're gonna preach and teach the word of God, and, and they're gonna build up people, edify, and they're gonna pray and fast and ask God to do something great. And God's gonna say, I want you and I want you, and He's gonna send them out. Well, what are they gonna do when they go out? They're gonna preach the gospel and people are gonna get saved, and as people get saved, they need to be assembled, and as they assemble, then they need Need preaching and teaching and they're going to pray and fast and ask God to do something and on and on this thing has gone until we're here tonight and until some of you young people came up here and said I'm from this church and I'm from this church and I'm from here what you're saying is this God is still at work God is still at work God is still at work and he still wants to work and I just believe he wants to work through my life whatever God can do with me I don't know but I'm here and I want to learn I want to serve I want to be involved and I want to trust the Holy Spirit of God and follow him every day and you'll watch God do some amazing things through you Life. Fantastic. Great. Sergius Paulus was saved, but, but then there's opposition there. And listen, as you preach the gospel and as you share the gospel, you're going to face some people like a bar Jesus that's there, that's going to oppose them. But, but I love the boldness of Paul. He set his eyes right on him. The, the Bible says he just stared him down and said, Oh, thou full of subtlety and, and everything else. He said, thou child of the devil. How's that for a seeker-sensitive ministry? You child of the devil! Stop trying to divert this man away from the gospel. This man needs to be saved. You're blind. Okay, that was a short condensed form of what he said. But that's exactly what happened. And ironically, a Jewish, a renegade Jew who is practicing in some type of sorcery of some sort, a renegade Jew is still in blindness while a Gentile comes to Christ and has his eyes open. All because the church did what a church is supposed to do. And the Holy Ghost did what only the Holy Ghost can do. And God does great things through that work. And tonight church that's why we're here that's why we assemble every single week that's why I received this little poem on a note card from a young lady named Francisca in her 20s in Sri Lanka we went a year ago it says to pastor jason and family Pastor and his wife, in reference to the Unruhs, we are the sending church for Terry and Myra Unruh in Sri Lanka. Pastor and his wife, we've known. They've been uh, to us so dear. Our spiritual lives today have grown because you sent them here. We acquired a spiritual base and friends to shed a tear. We have this holy place because you sent them here. This is a war-torn nation. But you sent them here with no fear. And many obtained salvation because you sent them here. So I thank you, Pastor Jason, for your ministry and foundation. And let me shout out loud and clear, all caps, that I'm glad you sent them here. Amen. Amen. Good. Because Southwest Baptist Church got behind and sent a missionary. Now, a young lady named Francisca is on her way to heaven loving Jesus Christ. It's a blessing. Stand together tonight. It all begins right here. It all began in the churches where you're from. I believe it ought to continue. It's only going to continue if we'll set ourselves to pray and fast. Commit ourselves to Bible preaching and teaching. Commit ourselves to assemble together as a church. and As a result, churches will be planted internationally and right here within Oklahoma. Father in heaven, I acknowledge tonight that church is not just about us coming in, but about us going out. We want to worship you, and worship and missions are so closely intertwined. We want to be on our face before you tonight, humble ourselves before you. I thank you personally for what you did at Grace Baptist Church, Bowling Green, Kentucky. Thank you for people that assembled. Thank you for a preacher that's preached, teachers that's taught. Thank you for people who prayed. And that same thing could be said here at Southwest of a Burt Harrison and a Sam Davison, dear God. I thank you that these men before us set such an example. O.E. Matthews and different ones, dear God, that set such an example before us. What it means to be a church. Help us, dear God. Not to get caught up in everything else that people would want us to be as a church, but help us just to simply be the church that you've made us to be. Focus on soul winning and baptizing and discipleship. And understand that that necessitates the work of the Spirit. It's beyond what we can do in human power. We have none. We are not able to develop a strategy that would do spiritually what needs to be done. So we call on you and pray that you'd make us ever more sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit. And thank you for everything tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.